Welcome to The Way Home with Laura Smith, the show that brings you wonderful guests, helpful advice, and uplifting stories. The Way Home. Live inspired. Here's your host, Laura Smith. Wonderful to be with you. Thank you so much for joining us on The Way Home. I'm excited to be here. And once again, I talked to a very good friend uh, last year, so just a few months ago, actually, um, who I used to work with on the radio. He had his own radio show on a channel that I was directing, and that was on Sirius XM 15 years ago or so. But he was such an incredible, memorable host of his show and an incredible author that I just it wasn't enough to have him on a few months ago. I feel like I could have him on all the time as a regular just because he has so much to teach. He's been a counselor for over 50 years in in the world of uh, human development and mental health. He's an author of eight books. Uh, he has done 20 audiobooks. But his latest book is something that we could honestly you know, delve into a chapter every other month or so because it is just so chock full of wonderful, interesting advice about how to live a really more beautiful and whole life full of integrity. His book is called Good Finding, A User's Guide to EQ and Your Brilliant Mind. And indeed, you all have brilliant minds. It's Wonderful to learn new techniques and understand how your brilliant mind works, how to put it to good use so you can have a beautiful, fulfilling life. So coming up, Dr. Bill DeFore, and then also, of course, good news stories. We love to give you good news. So Jim Cleefield is here to do all that per usual. And of course, it's all brought to you by the wonderful people at Balance of Nature. Balance of Nature, fruits and veggies in a capsule and the whole health system. They have one other product besides the fruits and veggies. They have the fiber and spice. And that is another wonderful product that Really, you can't find anything like it anywhere else because there is nothing that is put together so purely in its purest natural form of fiber and spices. Nothing added from a laboratory. Nope, it's 100% natural. And it's just so incredibly good for you. They have just the three products, the fruits, the veggies, and the fiber and spice. And it's all to make you finally Get the nutrition that you need throughout your week that no matter how hard you try and how good you are at eating your fruits and veggies and doing that, we still fall a little bit short. I think I can speak for all of us. We think we're getting enough, but I've learned so much from Dr. Douglas Howard about how much your body really needs on a daily basis. And it's 10 servings per day of raw fruits and vegetables if you really want to do your body good. Hard to do, but balance of nature to the rescue. You get it in capsule form. It's been pulverized, but all the nutrition left in and not a single man-made thing added to it at all. It's just pure perfection from the earth. So you can always order yours online or by phone. That's the way you do it. If you go online, it's easy. Balance of nature dot com balance of nature dot com make sure you put my name into the promo code laura l-a-u-r-a that way they know you heard it here and you're going to get 35 percent off your first shipping or your first order i should say and free shipping always so put laura into the promo code and likewise when you call them on the phone at this easy to remember number also tell them to put laura into the promo code for your discount and free shipping it's 1-800-2468 751. That's 800-2468-751. When we come back, 
beautiful book, Good Finding, by Dr. William DeFore. Don't go away. This is The Way Home. Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. Well, very recently, I had on not only a guest, but a friend of mine many years, um, someone whose work and, well, just person himself is someone I have admired uh, since we worked together back in around 2005, 2006, 2007 at Sirius XM. And uh, he was uh, he had a show for a long time on what used to be known as Wisdom Radio. But uh, when the company I worked for bought it, they it became Lime Healthy Living with a Twist. And I was just blessed with a plethora of amazing people um, that had so much to teach and depart, or impart on the world. And I was very, very grateful um, to, to come in contact with William DeFore, who we also call Bill. And he is an author of many books. He's been a, a counselor for over 50 years. He um, has established a wonderful way of really explaining how to live a more, I guess, uh, satisfied and and beautiful life um, by way of a, a deeper consciousness and one that is is wrought with your ability to create the life that you, you want. A lot of what he does is um, in a premise called Good Finding. In fact, the newest book he has is Good Finding. That's what it's called, A User's Guide to EQ and Your Brilliant Mind. Once again, Bill DeFore, thank you so much for joining us on the way home. Thanks for having me, Laura. You know, we covered um, what felt like a lot during the last, but it really, it was just a little scratch of the surface. There is so much incredible, useful information in this book, and it's also deep and very... Um, transformational. But, you know, after a half an hour, we really, like I said, just barely scratched the surface. And so it was just a great idea you had. And I then said, yes, let's do it because we could actually do this uh, quite a few times this year because there's so many aspects to good finding and the book. And uh, you want to focus on some different aspects of it, which I think is a great idea because so many people can get something from this and uh, incorporate it into their lives. You know, we, there's a lot of us who um, try to do so. We try to live a, a more positive, meaningful, um, conscious life, so to speak. But a lot of us get so busy and we have so much that we're dealing with. We don't understand the aspects of certain parts of our mind that come creeping up throughout the day that maybe are pulling us off our target and off our mark um, for a more fulfilling, happier life. Um, you understand all of this um, with your years and years and decades of studying um, consciousness and emotional intelligence. We're going to focus more on that today on on emotional intelligence or EQ, as you call it, emotional quotient. But I would like, just in case someone missed our first time together um, just a few months ago, just give us a little premise of what good finding means. It really is. It's your website. It's this beautiful book. What does good finding mean to you and what should it mean to others? Good finding is the practice of gratitude, appreciation, and optimism. Gratitude for the past everything that has come before, appreciation for right now, and optimism for what is yet to come. So that way you're kind of using our minds are like these time machines in a way. We're always going past, present, and future. 
And so good finding is a way of making that a positive and beneficial experience. Far too often people fall into regret for the past and um, worry about the present and dread of the future. And that's that's all too often happening, even in bright, enlightened, intelligent people. And so this these practices help us nudge ourselves into a higher vibration while we're doing that mental time travel. And indeed, it, it's really only possible or feels only possible when you're aware of what that is. We often go in and you talk a lot about your primary mind, your secondary mind and and the functions of each of them. And and yet once you're aware of how they work and which one's working where you can use what you know to override that to to an extent the primary mind you talk about as being the basics right survival fear the instinctual knee-jerk reaction the default mechanism of the mind is to ask am i safe you know who can i trust what do i need to do to make sure i get what i need and those those are good functions those are important and we need that and yet if that predominates the consciousness a person's going to stay stay in a state of anxiety by nature of those mental processes because it's problem focused the secondary mind comes in and it expands the picture and it says well who who am i what am i doing here what am i creating what is what is my opportunity to contribute to this world in a new and meaningful way and interestingly enough another element of good finding is a real strong emphasis on positive emotion that secondary mind function of who am i what am i creating how can i contribute that activates all of those positive emotions love compassion joy and and really enthusiasm about the creative opportunities that lie before us absolutely and does it is it possible to stay within the secondary mind because it does sound a bit more um beneficial and and a, a a little more enjoyable than than the primary mind of just looking at the basics or are we really married to having both of them going on at the same time that's a really good question and it's interesting because the primary mind can operate exclusively of the secondary mind in other words a person can get tunnel vision totally in survival fight or flight mode and live that way for an entire lifetime it's not a pretty picture when that happens, but it is possible. However, the secondary mind does not block out the primary mind functions. You don't want to be so blissed out walking through a jungle that you don't notice the multicolored poisonous snake at your feet, right? So uh-huh. the primary mind is running in the background all the time, even when the secondary mind is there. So you're walking along and you're enjoying this beautiful, incredible jungle and the birds and everything, but your primary mind goes, hey, slow down here, watch your step. And so it's a whole brain process. When you activate the secondary mind, you're actually utilizing your whole brain, whereas primary mind functions can shut down the higher brain functions and a person can can actually create a worldview that has it's like tunnel vision. They're only looking in one direction. It's very limited. So talk to us about EQ, emotional intelligence, emotional quotient. Talk to us about that and where that fits in with it and how whether or not we have any 
say in how much of that we incorporate in our life or how good it, how much is enough or not enough. Mm-hmm. Well, emotional intelligence is a such a fascinating area of focus and it's it's being taught in schools. There's multiple books about it. Workplaces, businesses are utilizing it. The easiest way to understand it is the four components, one being self-awareness and the second being self-management, the third being social awareness, and the fourth being relationship management. So if you think about those four quadrants, the first two, self-awareness and self-management, that's 100% on you, right? You you, I, we all have total freedom and responsibility when it comes to our self-awareness and self-management. And then, so we're in the internal vertical dom- dimension there. If really, that's where the spiritual experience is, is in that self-awareness. The deep, deeper aspects of self-awareness take us into spiritual awareness and, and the power of presence. And then social awareness is where we begin to move out into the, ver- the horizontal out into the outer world. So we're moving from the internal vertical into the external horizontal, starting to pay attention to other people, starting to pay attention to things like empathy and compassion and accurate perception of others, all of which self-awareness, self-management, and social awareness are essential prerequisites to relationship management. That's where, you know, we want all the good stuff. We want to be loved, right? We want to have fun. We want to have great friendships, great connections, great life partnerships, and, and great business relationships. But that relationship management component suffers greatly unless we have established strong self-awareness, self-management, and social awareness. So it's very possible to be a pretty highly conscious and aware person but we're befuddled as to why our relationships have run amok or they just they're not turning out the way we thought they would. Mm-hmm. Um, how much of it is uh, within our capacity to fix that or change that um, or cause that not to happen anymore? And how much of it is, well, it's inherent just in life that there's going to be friction, you know, just because everyone is bit a bit different than one another. So. How do you control that? Well, um, your first and foremost, your your most important relationship is in that internal vertical dimension. How are you doing inside? Do you have a good relationship with yourself? Are you good with you? Self-awareness, self-management. And if you're in a resonance of love, if you're in a vibrational field of love and oneness in that internal vertical dimension, then you can begin to really experience unconditional love and acceptance and allowing of others, which is really the only thing that works, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because we just, I know you've learned this, we've all learned this, we cannot get those other people to act right. <laughs> we just we just can't. And it's it creates problems if we try. So when you've got this really strong internal resonance going, then you see people for the beautiful, magnificent, diverse mixed bag of who we are as humanity and you say yeah it's okay you be you it's okay and i'm i'm going to try to figure out how to love the people in my life as they are not needing them to change 
Mm. Wow. And I think about that. And, you know, it's it seems rare when we find not only that we are able to live within that space, but find others that also do or that we can learn from. Obviously, some of the greatest figures of all time are the ones that have gone down because they really had such a love for humanity and 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 others that, you know, they they found a way to express that and live that. And we love them for that. Um, so this is something that we can wake up and consciously decide to do and to use throughout our day is is that where a lot of this comes in because it's easy to just wake up and then just get get to business you got to get go through all these motions of everyday living in life self-management you know being what you were talking about as well how do you when do you get to the place where you know how to click into that more meaningful place and still get everything done that needs to be done on the macro level the micro level and and then yet still bring more of this higher dimension to everything that we do is it is it is it healthy to to live your life that way um a lot of people would say well you know that's sort of pie in the sky and you're always positive and life isn't always that way i mean i've actually had people say to me before you know it annoys me that like you always see the good in things and i say well i'm sorry but i've trained myself to do that because what's the point of letting everything defeat you so um yeah, tell us uh, the, the 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 grace of going through every single day of trying to incorporate these beautiful things that you you know so well and you live. I know you do because you exude it, and I have known that about you. And why I wanted you to come on the program, you are somebody who sort of has this otherworldly, beautiful. It, uh, when I say otherworldly, I mean just some this, this thing, intangible, like energy of love, um, in everything you do. Thank you for that very much. I really appreciate that and I feel it. Um, the self-awareness piece is where emotional intelligence begins. And that, all of the metaphysical practices, all therapy, everything is in that dimension of self-awareness. So we've, we've got to, to do the deep dive into the layers of the self. There's the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual self. And every one of those has value and depth and, and multiple layers. Our personal history, our, our family of origin influences and our gender and all of these things that are a part of who we are as individuals. That's in the self-awareness dimension where good finding relates to emotional intelligence is you want to find value because what happens with self-awareness is people fall to all, all too often fall into, I'm not good enough. I don't measure up. I wish I was different. And, you know, this fault finding primary mind function of, of looking at what's wrong. But with the good finding function of looking what's, at what's good and right and working in this self, because it's not perfect. Nobody, <laughs> nobody has a perfect self, right? And we're all very individual. But to look at the beauty to find the beauty and the value in the self as it is. To love the self, the body, the mind as it is. Just like you bring that unconditional love to the outer world and offer it to other people, you have to first give that to yourself. Mm -hmm. If I'm judging myself and self-critical and have low self-esteem, I'm not going to be able to be unconditionally loving of other people. It's not even possible. So the first dimension is developing a practice 
Because like you were pointing out, Laura, there's so much that needs to get done. Most people have a very busy life, and that outer world is constantly demanding our attention and our time. And if you get up and hit the ground running, that world, that outer world will dominate your day. And it will be at the expense of your internal peace, your inner balance, that relationship with yourself, that that loving relationship. So this doesn't mean you need to spend hours navel gazing every day. This, you know, it can be 10 minutes to 30 minutes to maybe more of self-awareness focused to journaling, meditation, and certainly we need to get exercise in there and the self-care component. Then what you're doing is you're tuning your instrument, so to speak. If you think of the body mind as an instrument, you want to make good music, right? You want to have good jam sessions with other people. Harmonize. And so you better tune your instrument first. A lot of, if we, if I get up and I'm going straight to email and phone calls and I ignore my inner self, I might end up creating chaos and discordant sounds. And, and I don't enjoy the jam session and other people don't either. So it's, it's very much like tuning your instrument before playing music, that internal self-awareness component. You talk about, um, well, there's a few things that we could touch on. My guest is is William DeFore. He is the author of, I think, is your eighth book, Good Finding, A User's Guide to EQ and Your Brilliant Mind. And it's a brilliant book. It's really, I mean, it is so chock full of uh, things that are, are applicable to your life. And it's as much as it's technical in terms of how things work within our our state of mind and our consciousness. It's also um, full of that, uh, the sort of the other layer of where the miracles happen and the grace comes shining down. And it's a beautiful marriage of all of it together. We're talking today a lot about emotional intelligence, EQ, emotional quotient. Um, in terms of ma- uh, relationship management, you talk about that. That sounds rather clinical for something that's as deep and almost bordering on spiritual as you are. Tell us about yeah. relationship management. Yeah, that's actually an emotional intelligence term. So I drew that straightly, straight from the emotional intelligence material, but it's a, it's a, a useful term. The thing about before we get to relationship management, we have to have the social awareness component, which is where how I perceive the people around me. That is, before I ever say a word or start a conversation, I may go into a conversation with predisposed ideas about who this person is. We may make judgments based on gender, uh, race, ethnic origin, prior history, whatever. So I need to be aware of my projections that this is a fascinating, a fascinating piece in the book that it gets a lot of coverage, the difference between perception and projection. So in a conversation with somebody in a relationship with somebody, I want to perceive accurately, who is this person that I'm talking with? Who is this person? What are they bringing? I want to be able to be open to receive what they're bringing, and who they are. If I have my head full of projections and prejudgments, prejudices, and predispositions, biases, I won't even be able to hear them or see them because I'll be just listening to my own noise. 
And a whole lot of relationships get clouded and polluted because people don't know their projections. And therefore, they're, they're not relating to who the person really is. They're re relating to who they think the person is. So that is a key component to experiencing the mystery and the beauty of every individual as they are. you got to get out of the way to even let that shine through. We so, I think we jump so instantly sometimes, and not even because we want to, but just habitually to judgment, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we even even if it's good judgment, we're sizing people up immediately, mm -hmm. sizing up how it makes us feel in, in their presence. And, you know, all these things are going on simultaneously. And it's how do you stay present into a situation when you have maybe someone who is pre-clouding all your judgment with with uh, preconceived notions about you or or even projections, as you said, how how, how do you stay clear within a, a situation like that? We've all been in situations where we're being wildly misperceived and 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 you just sort of stand there and you don't really know how to react because it, it might set something off or whatever. How do you know what the right thing is to do or say or feel? That's a very, very good question. And like you said, we all face that. That's a part of being human and having relationships. Um, and my best answer to that is that, that the more you have a strong inner connection, the outer connection, like in that example you just gave, it's not any fun right now. I'm getting, I'm getting judged. I'm getting a lot of noise and feedback from the other person that doesn't fit. It isn't working. That's not feeling good to me right now. So I go to the place where I do have some sense of peace and resonance, but I, you know, if I'm staying in the conversation, then I can listen from that inner space. I'm not in out there in the world reacting to that person as much. There's one of my favorite um, ideas about this type of question that we're addressing right now is the concept of being in it, but not of it. I am in the relationship, but I'm not at the total effect of the relationship. Because I have another vibration going on. I'm good in here, even though that person is not thrilled with me right now. Mm -hmm. Right. And so when we've got that home base to retreat to, then we might actually be able to bring some sense of, of love and acceptance and even contribution to this person who's upset. Yes. Only if we've got that interconnection. It has to be there, and it and it and it and very much you have to nurture it. You have to cultivate it. You have to spend some time with it, like you said, on a daily basis. We may think we're being mindful and like I'm I'm going to set out to be my best self today or whatever. But you're so right. Unless you really take that time, even if it's three minutes to thirty minutes, whatever, to really really zone in on on your deepest most thoughts. But if you go to that place where it's love loving because you don't want to just sit with yourself and like you know bring up all the things oh i wish i hadn't done that yesterday i didn't <laughs> like that that i said you know yeah. things like that that that's not necessarily helpful you're talking about getting more to the um the integrity of of mm -hmm. it so let's talk yeah. about that um 
tell us a little bit about the integrity in the context of EQ of emotional intelligence. I'm really glad you brought that up because it's it's really a fun connection between that internal vertical. That's personal integration. Most of us have heard of the term personal integration. If a person is integrated, then they have authenticity, they're reliable and trustworthy, et cetera, because they're integrated and all of their inner functions are working in synchronicity. So that translates directly into integrity in relationships. So the internal vertical is integration. The external horizontal is integrity. So a person who is integrated is more likely to show up with integrity in their relationships. What's interesting about those words is both of them come from the word origin integer, which means wholeness, Mm. which implies spirituality. I see. Okay, because for a lot of people, I'm wondering if they're thinking, well, this is this is a lot of psychology and it's a lot of, you know, the the new thought and the mechanisms of the mind and things like that, personal mind. But where does my spirituality come in in this? Where does my belief in a higher power come in? Um, my devotion to God, where does all this fit in? Do, can they? Do they? Absolutely. Yes. That, like I mentioned, the whole, the integer, integrated, integral, uh, integrity, those words all imply wholeness. And wholeness is like holiness. And spiritual wholeness implies that everything is working together in an integrated manner. Like, for example, say, well, he's a very spiritual person. It's just that every time I go to see him, he bites my head off. Well, there's, <laughs> there's no, no, integrity, no integrity there. There's some missing pieces, right? Mm-hmm. So wholeness and integration is like where all of the parts are are moving together and working together in a, a harmonious and fluid manner. I love it. I honestly, Bill DeFore, I could I could talk to you for a, a million days. And and in fact, I think what we should just have you back periodically just to do this, because it's infinite in terms of the oh, just the, the, the depth of, of of all this beautiful wisdom and and beautiful uh, just everything that you know in life we we need we need the bigger we need the the secondary mind and not just the primary one as you talk about in your beautiful book called good finding a user's guide to eq and your brilliant mind and it really is a user's guide it doesn't just sort of lay out these principles it tells you how it works it has you sort of delve in and ask yourself questions it it really is a user guide and good finding is the whole premise it's a a phrase that you coined many years ago and indeed people can find you and all your works your books your 20 audiobooks um your eight books that you've written at goodfinding.com i love that website so easy for people to remember but they can find the whole world that you're talking about here um to really help live a more beautiful and prosperous and 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 depth-filled life a life filled with integrity and i love that it's the wholeness and the holiness of it all and you my friend embody it i'm so grateful that you you share all of this with us today because it, it's a gift and i and i truly am thankful thank you so much um are you going are you doing anything uh in the next uh month or so that you'd like people to know about or you just want people to find you and your books on goodfinding.com no book promotion uh plans in the immediate future i've got some things in the more long term 
Uh, the book will be featured in uh, the L.A. Times and the Miami book fairs. So mm-hmm. I won't be there in person, but it will be featured. And so there's that to look forward to. You need one of those great PBS specials where you're standing up and, and teaching. I, those, I, I used to love those and, and eat them up. And I could, you, if, if people could see you, we always do these uh, wonderful interviews on, on Zoom, but you are just, uh, just a breath of fresh air and everything so deep and wonderful in the world. I thank you. I know you and your wife, uh, do a lot together. That's so meaningful that goes into all the work that you do. So please come back again and again and again. And will. Thank you for all you do, Laura. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. William DeFore, Dr. William DeFore, I should say. His book is Good Finding, A User's Guide to EQ and Your Brilliant Mind. Find it at goodfinding.com. Lots of love to you, Bill. Thanks so much. Thank you, Laura. You're listening to The Way Home. We'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. just beyond myself with excitement about this interview today because I've been waiting for it for quite a while. And I have a feeling this won't be the last time we'll do this because Bill Schnee is so renowned in the music business, um, having mastered and, and run the board for so many sessions of the greatest musicians of all times and uh, truly uh, some of the most beloved and popular that there are. I'm just grateful. He's known as a legend in the business, and he's written a fabulous book that has so many of these anecdotes and stories about the biggest stars, everyone from Miles Davis to the Jackson 5 to uh, George Benson and Barbara Streisand every and Dire Straits, millions and millions in between. He can't even keep up with them all. And all the times he's been nominated at least 11 times um, for Best Engineered Albums and also um, has won uh, for his uh, Steely Dan albums, Asia and Gaucho, both. Bill Schnee, chairman of the board, recording the soundtrack of a generation is the book. And you just heard a little bit of Leo Sayre. He was in on that session and helped to engineer that. And uh, you make me feel like dance. And I, I bet, how how do you, Bill Schnee, sit in a session with like the Jacksons or Boz Skaggs or Huey Lewis or anybody and not dance? How do you sit there and just remain quiet at the board? <laughs> Oh well, I, I I move around a lot, uh, m- you know, more than a lot of <laughs> more than a lot of engineers I know. I mean, I will I will uh, definitely be moving around. Dancing isn't my thing, but uh, for sure. But well, in terms just of as well, the- because, yeah, because you have to sit there and you've got to make everything sound like perfection as you have done and on, on truly some of all of everybody's most favorite albums in the world. Let's talk about. A couple of your divas. We talked about uh, the Jacksons before, and Leo Sayre and and Steely Dan. But let's talk about some of the divas: Whitney Houston, Barbara Whitney Streisand, Houston. Uh, Carly Simon. Yeah, give us some some give us some stories on on some of those sessions. What were they like? Uh, 
Well, phenomenal. Early, very early, early on in my career was Barbara Streisand. The first time uh, I've worked with her several times since then, but this was right in the beginning, 1970, and uh, uh, I had only worked with uh, some. I came out of a rock studio to go when I got my big break from Clive Davis to work at CBS. And I ended up uh, engineering Barbara Streisand. And uh, I'd never heard anyone that could sing like that at that point. And that's when I realized, you know, that what what you get, uh, the incredible private concert that you end up getting uh, when as an engineer uh, sitting there while they're putting their vocals on. Uh, the private concert might even include swearing once in a while when they didn't get what they wanted. Right. But she was she was unbelievably uh, sweet and and uh, just a, a really kind, sweet person, very generous. And I used to um, <clears throat> the producer asked me to follow her home in Beverly Hills because we we ended many times like at one in the morning so that she didn't drive home alone. And uh, she had a. Uh, I'm a car guy. And so I know that she had a, it was a black 57 T-bird back then. And uh, uh, when I worked on it uh, quite a few years later, uh, I, I was, it was the time when you could mix. She had, we had the technology where she could stay at home and listen on her own home speakers at the mix as it was going down. And so uh, I called when I had the mix ready and she got on the phone and we started chatting before we played the mix. And I, I said, you remember when I would drive, you know, follow you home every night when you had your black T-bird? She said, yeah, you know, when that thing got stolen, I was so upset when someone stole it. Oh. But all that to say, she was just a very sweet and kind person. Yeah. Um, just the, 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 an iconic voice. Like I've never heard anybody really have a voice like hers again. But do tell us about Whitney Houston as well, because she was absolutely brilliant. Right. Well, um, I did one of my favorite R&B artists is a guy named Teddy Pendergrass. I love and him. And incredibly powerful voice, full of emotion. Uh, and one that I will always use as an example. All You know, we do this thing today which I don't, I cannot believe that everyone's doing it, perfecting the vocal by the, because tech, technically we have the ability to change the pitch of a vocal. We can add vibrato, we can take vibrato away, but mostly it's the singing an absolute perfect pitch. And if that was a problem, there were a lot of artists, including Teddy, that never would have had a career. Uh, I just don't think the, pub, the public doesn't care about perfect pitch, but a perfect pitch doesn't sell. Emotion is what will sell. And Teddy was loaded with it. Well, he had an unfortunate accident where he became a quadriplegic. And I was working on mixing the first album he did after his accident. And the producer mentioned that he was going to another studio to record a duet that was on the album. And when he came back, I said, how did it go? And he said, oh, my gosh, this girl is uh, drop dead gorgeous and sings like a bird. And I said, what's her name? He said, Whitney Houston. Of course, no one had ever heard of her. One very final, real quick, because we only have one minute left. You did Ringo Starr, but you met all the Beatles. Did you meet yeah, them? Yeah, that was the, 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 the album that, uh, that Ringo did where it started with George Harrison and then they all chimed in. And uh, lo and behold, a week into it, I found myself in the studio with three Beatles, the first and only time they would play together after the breakup. They never played together again, the three of them. And the saddest thing is that at that point in history, Paul McCartney had a drug bust in the United States and was not allowed to come in. But there's no doubt, because he wrote a song for Ringo as well, there's no doubt in my mind that he would have popped over and we could have had a Beatle reunion, but he couldn't come in the country. So we had to go to England to record his song. 
What was one of the songs from that? Maybe we'll go out on that one, Bill Schnee. Uh, Photograph is the biggest hit from that one. Oh, I love that song. by George Harrison. Wonderful. Bill Schnee, you are literally a walking uh, museum, a treasure trove of great, great stories about all of our favorite musicians. And so we'll just have to have you back on again. I mean, I think that's the only way to to fix this thing is to have you back on again. Bill Schnee, he has a website you can go to, which is just his name, BillSchnee.com. And Schnee is spelled S-C-H-N-E-E. S-C-H-N-E-E, BillSchnee.com. And don't forget, pick up his book if you want to hear all these stories and get goosebumps and laugh and uh, tears just uh, thinking about all these incredible uh, studio sessions that he has mastered and and indeed was nominated for so many awards for all of them. Bill Schnee, Chairman at the Board, is the book recording the soundtrack of a generation. Let's go out on photograph. Bill Schnee, thank you so much for being on The Way Home. You're a legend. You're a legend. Okay. Thank you so much. And here's Ringo Starr and the rest of the Beatles on Photograph. You're listening to The Way Home. Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. Always so good to be with you and talking to the wonderful cats that we have here. Hopefully inspiring, uplifting, and uh, educational to a certain extent as well. But we like to go to this segment, which every day uh, suits me because... It's good news, which I think we need more of in our lives. And we do it once a week here on the program, but it stays with us all week long. So we actually have a person go out into the, into the interweb of life to find the best stories possible. And his name is Jim Cleefield. You know him well already, and he's the voice of the program. And uh, what do you have? I know you've got some goodies for us this week. I know because I found one of them for you. Yes, and I thank you from the bottom of my heart for doing that, LJ. I really appreciate it. I know you don't need any help on finding good news stories out there. But when I saw it, I just thought it was great. So I hope you don't mind. Well, this is a gem that you found me. I mean, a real gem. Uh, Did you hear the story out of Kalisburg, Texas? Now, we talk about in the show, you know, how faculty and staff at schools, uh, they're heroes to these students. They make their lives better and going out to the world, becoming better people. But then there's the people in the school you don't necessarily see every day. And that's the custodian. I mean, they work just as hard. They do that grunt work. They work untold hours. Well, here's a guy here that's 80 years old. He goes by the name of Mr. James. And he, I guess, recently retired not that long ago. But unfortunately, his living expenses became too much for him. So much so that he had to get his old job back. 80 years old, right? When you should be in the, at the time enjoying your, the, the good things in life. Well, anyway, there were uh, three high school students, including Banner Tidwell, who noticed he was back at work and saying, you know, that they're not having any of this. We've got to do something to help this guy because he's always been there for everybody in this school. So you know what they did? The three students, the three seniors, put together a fundraiser for him 
GoFundMe. And Tidwell says he's got about uh, 2,000 followers on his social, and I guess that's enough to get the word out, don't you think? Well, in the first 12 hours alone, with the help of many students, they raised $10,000 for this man, Mr. James, right? Didn't stop there. It eventually grew exponentially to two hundred. $30,000 as we speak. <laughs> Needless to say, he does not have to work another day in his life. He's so happy. And uh, it, the word got read out to local television. The principal of the high school, Jason Hooper, said he's so proud of his students for all pitching in and helping this man. Because, like I said, the custodian, that they just, they're the unsung heroes of the school. They never get any recognition. And thankfully, they came to the aid of this guy. And now he can relax and enjoy the rest of his life. I think it's just a wonderful thing that they did. Incredible. $230,000. Yes. Isn't that just amazing? So here he was. He had to come out of retirement because he was falling on hard times and didn't have enough to keep him going. Imagine being 80 years old, being like, I have to go back to work. Yeah. That must that must really be something. Unless you, unless but, you really want to do something, that's one thing. But if you were planning to retire and you see all these expenses, you know, that's not exactly the way I think you envisioned that. No, exactly. But you know what? In addition to the the monetary assistance that he must have been overwhelmed and overjoyed by, think of the the love and the support he felt. I mean, how when you're on the receiving end of uh, something like that, especially from students, just how that must just really just fulfill just wishes and dreams and your heart just must burst you know and i and i think um what they they've done more than just take care of this man financially they showed him how important he was to this life and and i think boy what you can that's that's priceless it is absolutely priceless and those young people that that do things like that it make, gives me so much hope for the world knowing that people like these students that got together and did this for this man to know that they are going to be the ones taking charge, taking lead, you know, when when they're a little bit older. So it's it's a beautiful thing. So thank you for reading that story that I found. I, I couldn't it. resist in sending it to you because you always have great stories. And I I don't want to step on your. Oh, not at all. Not at all. Toes. <laughs> All right. Well, what's the one that you found this week? Well, here's the one that I found. And, uh, this is really just as nice. Uh, a story of random kindness. I know we've done that a lot on this show. But uh, this happened in Louisiana at a grocery store recently. There was a man named Jason Bordeaux who had just deposited a payroll check at his job. And he went to buy some groceries at a local grocery store in St. Martinville uh, in Louisiana. And he thought he had the money to do it right. And he goes to the cash register. And he, I guess he puts in his card ready to pay for his groceries. And all of a sudden, the cashier says... Or a machine said, insufficient funds. What? No, yeah, no, insufficient funds. He thought, wait, I thought he had the money there. Well, lo and behold, he then hears this voice behind him, kind of like a voice of God, maybe a disembodied voice. I don't know. He turns around, and the guy says, I got you. And he says, you don't understand that this is this is a lot of money that I had to spend on groceries. Said, I got you. I got you. So he paid his bill. Well, we found out who this person was. He ended up taking a selfie with this man. And as the old song many years ago used to say, along King Jones, Kevin Jones is his name. That's right. He was the guy who helped him. Right. Well, anyway, he's just so wonderful. He, he helped. Uh, do this random act of kindness for him. Well, they took a selfie together. They became friends. And eventually he was identified, I guess, on uh, the Facebook page that Jason has. And uh, one day, I guess, they, they ended up celebrating uh, his birthday, the man who uh, helped him, Kevin Jones. He had his birthday. They put him together. Well, guess what happened after that? Eventually, Jones was invited by Jason to come spend a, a day with his family. His mom was doing a special family day. It turned into a birthday celebration for Mr. Jones. How about that? I mean, he spent a few hours with the family and 
just a very happy story. But it all started with that one random act of kindness because somebody didn't have enough money to pay for food again. Just like our first story, LJ. I mean, it reaffirms just the kindness and the hope, as you say, in this world that there's a lot of good being done out there. Some of these we, we haven't seen yet. We haven't talked about on the show. Maybe even right now somebody's doing something special for somebody we don't know about yet. Yeah, and that's exactly right. And actually, as we speak right now, there are a million acts of kindness going on all over the world that, you know, unless we try to find them, we may never know of them. But I am so certain from this show and all the stories that you have found over the years of doing it that I bet you right at this exact moment in time, there are millions of people around the world being either recipients of a wonderful uh, act of kindness or they are deliberately uh, creating an act of kindness or doing an, an act of kindness for someone. And that is what gives me hope and truly um, it's what makes the world go round and keep it going with despite all what we think is is negative, because that's usually what is has a light shining on it. For some reason, we tend to focus on the stuff that's not. But this is so important. And I thank you so much. You always find the good ones. And I'm sorry, but I haven't heard that song before. What along came it? Jones. That was like in the 50s. I remember that. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Along came Jones. Somebody sang that. I just had to remember that, that line. country western. Well, just Jones. That's just what came to my mind. So, yeah, yeah. along came Jones. Mm-hmm. It wasn't so. Davy Jones. No. no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. We're, by the way, we're, monkey, we're monkeys fans, so, but it's not that Jones, no. <laughs> yeah. And, no. And you're not from the 50s. We will no. tell people that. A little after that. You are in your 50s, but you're not right. from the 50s. <laughs> anyway, uh, Bob Small, you've been so quiet today, and you're the one who does all the unsung, beautiful, uh, you know, the, the, the mechanical parts of this show and for that but you do it with such grace and so such, I'm ease sung. And such generosity yeah. you what so now i'm sung you're, you're sung you're singing my praises thank you yes in what oh, key? So you're not an unsung <laughs> hero <laughs> oh my goodness all right well as we all digress and just sort of um, go out on a high note thank you all for uh being here every week with all you do. And um, for those of you listening, I really hope that you have a week that's full of purpose, mindfulness, and good finding, as Dr. Bill DeFore told us about today. Good finding. Find the good in the world and pass it on. Lots of love from the way home. I'm Laura Smith.